Welcome to Comeback Journeys in Recovery, inspirational interviews with those who are recapturing their peak wellness after a trauma such as an addiction, major accident or illness, or bereavement. We'll also hear from professionals on ways you can regain your own peak wellness. I'm David Shadbolt, and my wish for you is that you'll discover more friendships, confidence, joy, and energy as you lead a more fulfilling life. Episode 1, Recovering from Rape and Heroin Addiction. A conversation with Marnie Spencer Devlin. Good afternoon. Um, I am David Shadbolt, and I'm the founder of Peak Symmetry and creator of Paths to Peak Wellness, um, to Peak Wellness in Recovery. And my guest today, I'm honored to introduce Marnie Spencer Devlin, who um, has written several books, including Crawling into the Light. And I'll just read the um, a bio or short blurb to that book. Uh, a gripping autobi autobiography that tells a brutal story of molestation, rape, physical abuse, forced heroin addiction and prison, and a subsequent miraculous rise to power and the building a multi-million dollar enterprise. Then a deadly diagnosis again changes everything. Marnie emerges with renewed insights that offers hope an inspiration to us all. Wow. Now, that, <laughs> that is some story, some short bio. I'm amazed that you're still here looking so young, vivacious, and uh, doing so much good in the world. Marnie, welcome. Thank you so much, David. Thanks for having me on your, on your show. Right. So I am curious, this... Um, how did you get to the situation? You talk about mm, molestation. You talk, you're from Germany originally, I gather. I am originally from Germany, and I was born in the wake of the Second World War, dating myself here um, a little bit or a lot. And my parents had both been through the war, and uh, they were absolutely shell-shocked. Uh, my mom was um, a young widow. Her first husband, did, um, who was the father of my two brothers, uh, did not return. Uh, was missing in action so she here she was had a newborn and a two-year-old and and she's 21 herself i think or 22 so she's really just P today we call it ptsd in those days they just said well just muddle on through and my father was a pilot with of course with the other side my father was a pilot with the luftwaffe and uh, he had been shot down 20 uh, uh 14 times wow and yeah, so um, so it makes for a cool story, but having to live through it, so you can imagine, I mean, he wasn't there anymore either. He was certainly also what we would call PTSD. I mean, people survive one plane crash, they're ruined for the rest of their lives. He did it 14 times. And so those two people found each other and were my basis for um, for growing up. And it was, it was a bit of a shaky basis. They couldn't handle having a child. And um, so I was... Um, my my brothers, the the two um, 
the two sons from my, uh, my, my mother's first marriage, one of the brothers molested me for the first 10 years of my life, dealing really with his own anger over everything that was going on. And, um, and so that really formed me and kind of gave me a really shaky basis, a really bad basis for self-worth and um, not feeling worthy, not feeling certainly not like I could do anything in the world, which I think many people, especially people that are struggling with addictions are, are experiencing that wherever it comes from, it doesn't really matter. But bottom line is here, you're left with not feeling worthy. And when you're not feeling worthy, you, you tend to attract more and more situations into your life that, that reflect that. So at 12 years old, I was raped um, through a silly thing. My father thought I needed to meet nicer people, and he set me up on a date. Uh, again, he wasn't thinking clearly. I was 12 years old. And, and that um, guy was 25 years old, and he didn't drive me home at the end of the night to my parents' house. He drove to the woods and raped me. And... Um, so then that really sent me into a tailspin, absolutely felt black on the inside. And so I started hanging out with a bad crowd and mm -hmm. uh, sort of spiraling downwards. So hanging out with a, when you lay with wolves, you get fleas. So at 14, I was raped a second time. Mm -hmm. um, and then at 17, it looked like things were going to look up. At 17, I was discovered as a professional model and I got to marry my high school crush. And he was six years older than myself. And he was so proud that his young wife was going to be this professional model until he realized that that meant that people were going to be looking at me. And he was insanely jealous and he couldn't deal with it. And so he cooked up this diabolical plan and he brought home heroin. And um, it, I mean, it wasn't anything that, you know, like any normal person, I say, oh, my God, take this crap out of my house. I don't want, you know, and it, he talked in on me. Yes. It took him many, many hours, and I was young. You know, eventually it came down to a dare. He called me a chicken and shouldn't have done that. <laughs> so I said, all right, fine, do this. And that was kind of the beginning of um, a long, long down, downward spiral. I, I struggled with uh, heroin addiction for a good 10, 10 years before I was able to wind myself out of it, doing all the things that junkies have to do in order to get their daily fix. Uh, uh, you know, the, and it was pretty ugly. I sorry, you were studying Germany, or you had moved to this? Partly in Germany, and then, um, and then I, I I left there and came to the United States, um, sort of pulling a geographical, uh, realizing that probably if you're trying to get away from drugs, LA might not be the best place to go. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so they followed me, and um, yeah, so I was I right back in it again, and then here is where it really downward spiraled, and um, ended up homeless, and that truly was my breaking point. That was my bottom. Being homeless was my. It was so dirty and so ugly and so cold and so horrible all around me, that something inside of me said, "This you don't deserve. You deserve better than this." Mm -hmm. and that's what hitting bottom really is. That's the crux of hitting bottom is when there's that little spark inside of you where there previously wasn't one. And you, it's so dark that you become aware of that little tiny light that says, no, this not. I deserve more. Because I think when you have this really terrible self-esteem and you feel like you deserve nothing, you just, you know, I mean, talk about self-hatred and self-loathing, which is so comes along with, with being an addiction when you're in that, um, you don't deserve anything good at all. But it got so ugly around me that even I felt, no, this is it. I deserve better than that. 
and I sort of climbed up from it. Literally, it's hitting bottom and then and then coming back up again for air. And um, so I decided that, you know, of course, I had racked up all sorts of arrests, being a junkie um, and, and criminal stuff piling up on me. And I finally said, okay, that's it. I'm going to face all that. I'm going to get it over with. I'm going to start a new life. So I went to the courthouse and said, here I am. And they didn't want me. <laughs> they didn't want you? They didn't want me. Normally, I couldn't show my face on the street. They'd arrest me. And this, yeah, I'm walking around the courthouse saying, please, please, somebody. It took me all day. It was, I read the book. It's a hilarious story. It took me literally till 4.30 that night, all day long being in the courthouse, going from court to court, begging judge. Nobody wanted me. <laughs> and the last judge was saying, all right. First, he's yelling at me because he says, oh, so you got arrested one more time. And the bailiff says, no, Your Honor, Your Honor, she didn't get arrested. She's turning herself in. So, turning yourself in? And he says, all right, as a reward for turning yourself in, I'll reduce all your bails and you can walk out. <laughs> he was going to let me go again. Wow. And I'm like, no, 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 I want to start. And so anyway, so I finally did that. And I was hoping, of course, I would get just a slap on the wrist and get a little bit of time in county jail and be done with it. And it wasn't to be. I was I was sentenced to prison, state prison. And, oh, my God, I was so devastated. I thought, surely God had forsaken me and um, was not to be forgiven. And um, and I was I did 18 months. I, I So I was actually in prison that long. And you know what? In hindsight, though, everything happens for the highest and greatest good. Everything is exactly perfect the way it is. Because looking back, had I not had that time out of the out of the maelstrom, and um, I, I really, when I went in there, I decided, uh, I apologize for the noise. <laughs> I think they're after you again. They're after me again. Darn it, they're coming. Let me talk quick. Um, I decided when I was uh, when I was sentenced after the initial shock that I would truly make this my own personal rehab. Um, and I, you know what what is it? I mean, people go to rehab; they check themselves in. People go to the military; they they you know they do that for free. And I said, you know, I'm going to look at this like I I'm doing this on my own free will. You know, I have you have three hots and a cot, as they say. I'm taken care of. I'm going to use this time to better myself, and that's what I did. Um, so I really turned this into my own personal rehab. So it was an absolute blessing. And had I gotten a slap on the wrist, had I gotten a couple months, I wouldn't have had that distance it's three between things. And I wouldn't have been able to um, probably stay clean. And as it is, I walked away and I was a completely new person. But that's um, that also goes against the grain because I understand a lot of people in prison, um, drugs are quite freely available. <laughs> Right. It is definitely rampant. I, in fact, it's it's sort of um, uh, interesting that all the paperwork is actually not done by officers. It's actually done by inmates. That's their jobs. You know, they have their assigned jobs. So some jo some inmates are assigned the job of administrative and they see who's coming into the, the prison system next. And they know who's who. And that's how it is when child molesters, we always hear child molesters get beaten up. Well, how do people know that that's a child molester? It's because the inmates are reading the, the paperwork and they're saying, look, buddy, here's coming. He's a child molester and they get beat up at the gate right away. Mm -hmm. And if you have sort of what's called a good name on the street, which I did have, 
you also get greeted commensurately. So I was greeted at the gate sort of with a welcome wagon. There were three women that greeted me that I knew from the street and they had a drawn up syringe for me. They had a welcome gift for me, which is only polite, you know. <laughs> which you declined, presumably you declined. Yes, they were, so they were being kind. And, and uh, you know, I could taste it in my mouth. I could taste what it would feel like. And at the same time, I thought, mm, I don't want that anymore. So I said, you know what, girls, I'm, I'm, thank you. But I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and, and, and do this. And, and they, you know, the God knows that's all every junkie ever dreams about is, is getting clean. They're like, okay, more power to you. It's fine. If you want it, you know where we are. But there was a lot of it. There were a lot of drugs. So Marnie, um, if I may, uh, so many people, as you know, stop drug taking drugs and drinking uh, but this the, but the success rate is not too good a lot of people go out and stop out and stop before they finally get it if they get it so in your case what was it about your story when you left what enabled you to stay clean and 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 grow um, well, I, I really, um, I can actually say I'm not an addict today. I've really completely walked away from it. Um, and it's, it, and it is possible and, but it, uh, it boils down to that, that what I mentioned earlier, that feeling of not feeling worthy of always feeling like you're bad. And many people that make it to programs and rehab programs and stuff, they're, st they're then they're so bent on doing better and they want to do all that it takes. But that really comes out of an underneath feeling is that you're still a piece of crap, but now you're going to do better. But that under that underneath feeling needs to go away. You need to recognize that you are truly, I mean, if you think about it, we're absolutely unique in the universe. There's not another one like you out of 8 billion people. You know, we are so precious and we're so magnificent and we're so exquisite as, as beings. But as long as you feel like you're not that, you can't ever touch that that part of you that's so brilliant and so beautiful, and and until you touch that, you you can't get out. Now it doesn't take fully grasping it. Really, it it took for me. It took that hitting bottom and saying, "No, you deserve better than that." That's all it really takes to get a little foothold, to get a little toehold in there, to go to to rise up, and then to stick with that. You know, you're still bad and you're still all that and you're looking at the wreckage of your life. It's really difficult to feel magnificent. But if you can just say, I deserve better than that, that's it. It sets you on the on the upward tra trajectory rather than on the, the even or the, the and, and most addicts do this kind of up and down kind of a curve. They never really go, you know, I just deserve better than this. And that that's what really got me through. And that little bit got me all the way to the point where I can say today, I, I actually like myself, I love myself, and I deserve the best. And that's a huge, huge jump. But it's possible to get there. It's a huge jump. And uh, speaking from experience, it's a long <laughs> time for me as well. It's a while. But it only takes a while if you, on, I mean, it's only possible if you get on that, that little high, that upward trajectory. You've got to stop feeling like you're crap, like you don't know anything, like, you, like you're bad, like you have everything to learn. Because that's not really true. I think we're perfect. 
we, the feeling is that we don't recognize our perfection. We keep trying to make it more perfect when it is perfect already. Mm -hmm. What? So there are 12 step programs and there are treatment centers and the uh, relapse rate is high. I know yeah. I went back out after three years and I was in and out for another three. But now I have 24 years. Oh, congratulations. That's wonderful. Yeah, thanks. But uh, it took a lot, a lot of deep inner, inner, inner journey. It took for me regular exercise program, meditation, therapy, the whole thing. Um, in your, from your experience and personal experience and from observation and no doubt interacting with many other people who have come from that dark, deep place, what is what is your what would you advise them to do or what would your what would you encourage them to do to increase their chances of staying clean and sober and onward growth um as i said it does i think that's a very good question i think uh, it, it's a, it's a matter of realizing something of working on that and then i fully agree with you it, a daily program is it's just, you know, just like you take a shower every day because you deserve to be clean. You know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't go a week or two without a shower and go, ah, you know, you know, you wouldn't, you'd feel bad. And so you take a shower every day, you brush your teeth every day. So you also, you meditate every day. You know, you, you get that mind, get out of that stinking thinking and get into a connecting with, with the, the, the inner soul part of, of who you are, which is so magnificent and is so perfect and, and recognizing that you are perfect. In fact, you know, we always think we're a work in progress and I most vehemently disagree with that. We are not a work in progress. The only thing that needs to needs to get figured out is to realize that we are perfect. That's the only place where we're lacking. We don't realize that we're perfect. And when you try and change something that's perfect, you're literally messing with perfection and you're making it less perfect. So it's more, it's not about making ourselves perfect. It's about realizing that we are perfect and that you reach in meditation. Re, you know, really listen to your heart. Your heart's never going to steer you wrong. Listen to your intuition. Find what you're passionate about. Align with your soul. Uh, for me, it comes down to, and that's really my work today with people as well. And I work with executives today. It's not necessarily people that, but it's the same for everybody. Everybody needs to realize that, as I you know, briefly touched on before, out of 8 billion people, there's not another one like you. You're absolutely unique in the world. There's not another one that has your exact gift of uh, mix of gifts and talents and abilities and strengths. There's nobody else that wants exactly what you want. There's just not another one like you. So it behooves you to figure out who are you? What are you truly passionate about? What are your likes and your dislikes? And to not fight them. Because this, in this world, we're always going, well, yeah, you might like that, but let's look at what you don't like and let's build that up or do more of what you don't like. No, do what you love. That's what you're born to do. The reason you have your abilities and your passions and your strengths is because that's what you're meant to be using. The stuff you don't like, the stuff you're not good at, leave it be. That's somebody else's strength. Do what you love that brings you to a place where you you like yourself better where you're happier where you just raise your vibration to to a higher level and then it's easy 
to uh, realize your own perfection. It's easy to raise yourself to that point where you don't have that need anymore to fix the pain because that's all addiction is. Addiction is pain and we want to fix it. It's medication. It's <laughs> an addiction, but it's also a com you don't have to be an addict in order to feel all this pain and this self-loathing. There are many people out there with compulsion of compulsions, shall we say, Absolutely. whether whether it's gambling or food or well, that's the same thing. What your drug of choice is doesn't matter whether it's gambling or sex or drugs or alcohol. It makes no difference. It's the thing that fixes it for you for a little while. The point is to get to get to the underneath to where you don't have anything to fix. Exactly. So let me, uh, I know that you've, you also wrote a book subsequent to the calling into the light, but that's probably, that should probably be the subject of another podcast down the road. <laughs> I'm not sure how much time we have, but yeah, the high school principles arose for me as a realization out of writing my first book, Crawling Into the Light. Uh, so the iceberg principles is, is quite simple, simply an iceberg. I, I describe, I liken human beings to an iceberg. Um, now I know this analogy has been used before, but I'm using it completely differently. So what I'm saying is that uh, like an iceberg, and with an iceberg, only very little shows on top. You know, maybe your listeners go put an ice cube in water because it works for any kind of ice in water. Very, very little shows on top. Only 4% show at the surface. Very little. Most of it is submerged in water. And I say the same thing is true for human beings. So what's sitting there in your chair right now, that's what's on the surface. That's your surface level. That's your 4%. So really what's showing about you is only 4%. And I can look at you and it tells me a little bit about you, but not really all that much. It tells me your height, your eye color, your weight, maybe it tells me whether you work out or not, but it doesn't tell me what are your gifts and your talents. What are you good at? What are you passionate about? Um, what, what, where are your strengths? Where are your greatest abilities, your likes, your dislikes? All those things are what makes up who you truly are. They are really what defines you, but it's intangible. It's invisible. So that's your 96%. That's your invisible part. That's your soul, if you may say, because it's the part who, what truly defines you, but it's invisible. All I see when I look at you is your 4%. So for people to recognize that there's so much more to them than meets the eye, that we truly are. I mean, the book is, is kind of neat because it really describes like, why are we even here? How did the big bang happen? Why did the big bang happen? Why are we here? What's our point? Why is it so hard sometimes? Why is the brain taking us, you know, why is this neighborhood up here in, in the mind so difficult? And it explains all that. And then what we can do instead, what to do in order to live more in that 96%. And, and different practices and connecting with that as well. That's what the iceberg principles are all about. So um, we don't have too much time for these podcasts. So what I would like to ask you is, I'm sure there's quite a few listeners who will would be interested in getting some more information from you or access to your books. Um, and I believe you also do coaching or workshops on some of these areas. I know you're a public speaker. Um, how can they get hold of you? Um, well, thank you so much. That's that's kind of you, uh, David. So it's the easiest is just to go to my website. Um, 
which actually they all lead there. Uh, MarniespencerDevlin.com is the easiest, and that's spelled M-A-R-N-I. Spencer is S-P-E-N-C-E-R, and Devlin is D-E-V-L-I-N. So MarniespencerDevlin.com. They'll take you there. It takes you into everything that I do today as a, as a profession. And it also has links to both of my books, uh, Crawling into the Light, as well as the Iceberg Principles. And mm -hmm. it kind of gives you a rundown of, of what I do. And so the, the Crawling into the Light is my story. And the Iceberg Principles is really sort of a, a how-to on, on how to have a good life, really. So um, for those business people who are listening, um, should point out that you, you should point. I should point out that you also were a successful businesswoman at one point. You had seventy employees, correct? Yes, yes. After after I I got out and somebody gave me a job in marketing, and I absolutely adored marketing, and I worked in that, so I was good at it. And a couple of years later, three years later, I started my own company and I turned it into a multi million dollar company at 70 employees. And um, yeah, so I know a lot about marketing as well. So I offer marketing communications for two clients first and foremost. But how do you end up with very good marketing communications by having absolute clarity about yourself and about your business? And so that's it's a completely different way to approach marketing that really lets the client realize. So you're not chasing after the clients with funny slogans, but you really, it's a targeted communication to make the client realize they need you and they come to you. So that's kind of how I approach it, but it comes out of knowing who you are, knowing what you're passionate about. Everything always for, with me comes back to that. That's the thing that lives you a good life. That's also the thing that lives you a successful life. So that's really my crux. That's really what I'm all about. Great. Well, Marnie, I could go on for another hour talking to you. Uh, we don't have the time. I really appreciate your uh, taking this time to uh, participate in a series of uh, podcasts and uh, hopefully some people will contact you and get some inform more information and go from there. That sounds wonderful. Thank you so much for having me on your show. It's really, really an honor. Thank you so much, David. Good luck to you in the future. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Comeback Journeys in Recovery with David Shadbolt. For more podcast episodes and blog posts, or to subscribe to my newsletter, please visit www.peaksymmetry.com. Peak, P-E-A-K, symmetry, S-Y-M-M-E-T-R-Y.com. Subscribers to the Peak Symmetry newsletter will receive a free download of a guided meditation. You can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes. Thanks for listening.